Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better group of us for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to answer some of your gardening queries. Later on, I'll be joined by one of the UK's top horticulturists and a great showman. He's been a judge and a gold medal winning exhibitor at the Chelsea Flower Show. Here to talk to us about BBC Gardener's World Live, it's Bob Sweet. Our thanks to Sutton Seeds, sponsors of this week's podcast. Oh, goodness, that frost, hey? Last Tuesday week, uh, I was up, I'm afraid, working late, half past 12 uh, on Wednesday morning, and, and there was thick ice on the car. Oh, goodness. Boy, when we have an early spring and stuff really advanced and get a sharp frost like that, it makes gardeners go grey-haired a bit quick. Uh, I noticed that uh, potatoes on the allotment were sort of singed black on several plots. Surprised uh, in my own garden that the strawberries seemed to come away without damage. And I thought that I'd been very lucky and that everything was okay. And then I noticed that uh, a magnolia was just breaking into new growth. The leaves just above the fence and the wind must have caught it. And they took all those leaves, those lovely young leaves were turned black. And the same with the fig. The young leaves on that have been blackened. There's nothing we can do. You know, if you've got potatoes that have been blackened, just leave well alone and they'll soon come up. And then on the news front, goodness, on the... Uh, Monday bank holiday, the Radio 4 seemed to be full of people with gardening. There was Nicholas Marshall from Dobby's up in, uh, well, originally based up in Edinburgh, and, and he's done a link with Ocado, and, and so really reckons to go quite strong into uh, online gardening. And Boyd to Douglas Davis, too, in the Midlands, was talking about uh, portable gardens. Now that an increasing number of people are renting, uh, they're looking at ways that you can grow things in containers, and, and when you move... Lift them up and take them with you. Mind you, there's nothing new in this world, is there? I think about seven years ago, we built a garden from uh, pallets. The actual containers were on a pallet, and then we made the sides from deconstructed pallets and grew uh, flowers, fruits and vegetables in those pallet boxes uh, so that the whole thing was portable. We certainly need now, with the increasing number of rented properties, uh, to be able to take some of those plants with us. I've made three sowings of garden peas and I notice either a mouse or a shrew has been up at the first sowing. You can usually tell when a mouse has been about because there's a shape like an inverted cone where they've pushed their nose down to get at the seed and the aggravating thing is that they eat the seed and leave the shoot. Oh dear, life can be frustrating for gardeners sometimes. Uh, but I'll just need to uh, sow a few more and keep going. It is important with peas, of course, to make successional sowings. I like to do at least three at fortnightly intervals so that they don't all crumb together. Closures have come off the sweet peas, and I've got, uh, this year, them supported on strings. 
I've used uh, strings in the polytunnel and undercover before, but I've never tried it outside. I've got two big stakes, one each end of the row, came out of the neighbour's roof. They've just had the, their house re-roofed and some really big bits of two before, absolutely perfect to make the two end posts. And then each of those posts has got a cross piece just above ground level and up at my reach at about seven feet. And those, of course, carry a wire that's uh, pulled taut and then a string tied to the top wire and run down and tied around the base of the sweet pea plants, which are now 15 inches tall and the flower bud's just showing. And then as they grow, the string is just wound round them. All the tendrils are taken off and the side shoots taken off. And it's a very easy way to train as long as they withstand the wind okay on strings. When they reach the seven foot height, all I've got to do is to untie them at the top, lay the stem along the ground, and then fix another piece of string and take them up uh, seven or eight feet along the row. And if you do that with all of them, uh, makes a lot of leaves at ground level, but it means that you should get at least 16 feet of growth from each seedling. And of course, there's a flower at every leaf joint. Chelsea Flower Show, of course, coming up. Uh, and the uh, new strawberry, Just Add Cream, with very pretty pink flowers, has set nicely. The berries are swelling, and I have my fingers crossed that we will have some ripe fruit on those by the third week in May. Raspberries to are in flower. White Current Standard has got fruits developing quite nicely. Hostas look pretty good, so... Uh, Getting in the polytunnel out of that cold wind is an absolute joy. Rabbit, 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 Now on the emails this week, Chaz of Chaz and Dave's been on the go again. Apparently his granddaughter in her early 20s is interested in gardening and asked uh, Charles, what's an F1 hybrid? Not too easy to explain seedsmen get two parent lines a sort of mother plant and father plant and they inbreed those two in isolation and what happens of course is that each parent becomes very uniform and they can introduce specific characters you know it might be disease resistance it might be flower color might be shape or height and they do this to both parents And of course, as they get more uniform and stronger in these characteristics, they tend to lose vigour. It's like inbreeding with animals. If you keep inbreeding, then the vigour really disappears. But then when you bring these two parent lines together in what we call the first cross, the F1, then you hold those characters, but you reintroduce the vigour. And it really is a remarkable breeding development it will cost a little more for the seed because you can see it's quite a bit of work looking after two parent lines rather than just one, but well worth the money. Unfortunately, if you save seed from F1s, then I'm afraid the whole thing breaks down in most cases. And so you have to retain those parent lines all the way through the life of that particular cultivar. As in gardening so often, there are exceptions and the F2s of some petunias work quite well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Today I'm pleased to introduce Bob Sweet. Bob and I have known one another for a few good few years, I suppose it's fair to say. And Bob, I suppose we first met when you were at Torbay Parks, uh, growing those really wonderful carpet bedding figures for the Chelsea Flower Show. Do I remember correctly? You do indeed, Peter. And in fact, uh, I was director of parks uh, down in Torbay, and we embarked on a very exciting sequel of exhibiting at Chelsea Flower Show each year. And I can remember you presenting at BBC Gardener's World and coming to our greenhouses and seeing all of the bedding and carpet bedding plants we were growing um, in the sort of full production mode, all of which was quite interesting at the time. Well, and it's what I like to do. I like to go behind the scenes. I like to see people with skilled green fingers doing things well. And boy, Torbay did. I I think really you were pioneers, weren't you, of that carpet bedding figures thing? Uh, We were to a degree, although uh, in fairness, uh, Birmingham were also pretty good at doing Chelsea displays. Uh, Their displays relied a little less on three-dimensional carpet bedding uh, than the Torbay displays because we relied on it wholly and one of the things that we always tried to do was bring some amusement into the floral market. We wanted people to smile when they saw the display and therefore the themes we chose were uh, always a little bit light-hearted I think. I suppose some of that Chelsea work uh, was the reason that you got involved with the Royal Horticultural Society and its shows. Yes, indeed. Uh, I was at uh, Torbay for uh, 18 years, and once you've been anywhere for a very, very long time, uh, sometimes you feel the need to move on. And I was quite excited by the fact that the Royal Horticultural Society was advertising a post of head of shows, and I applied for it, and um, the rest is history, I guess. But um, coincidentally, I was at the RHS for almost 18 years, too, so... During that time, we launched new shows right up to the middle of the 1990s. The RHS only ran Chelsea Flower Show. It ran the shows it held in its own halls in Vincent Square. It then started getting involved in other activities. The start of uh, BBC Gardener's World live at the NEC 
uh, and uh, it ended into a partnership with Mulven and launched Spring Gardening Show there. But it was early days, and um, in those, uh, or in that dim and distant past, it's quite interesting um, how few shows were actually run, and really how unadventurous the IHS had been over a very long period of time. Yeah, so the Birmingham Gardeners World Live, which is your a major attention grabber at present, how many years? Is that 20 or 21 years? I think, Peter, it's coming up to 25 years, which I think takes everyone by surprise. But um, it's a little bit difficult to put an exact year on it because I think the show started with fairly humble beginnings. It was actually in the car park um, of the NEC in its very first year. Um, there was a marquee erected on the car park and there's a sort of question mark over whether that was really uh, one or not. So oh, I see. a little hazy, yeah. a hazy beginning. But of course, a lot of growers will tell you that those early years were some of the most frenetic in selling plants that they've experienced anywhere uh, at any time or any time since. So it's fascinating. Well, I have fascinating memories of those early days. We did a lot with schools. Uh, we had the Junior Petunia competition where I think there were 60 garden centres uh, attracting schools in their region, all growing petunias competitively, and then the best plants were brought together, quite a logistically, quite a logistical Peter, problem. I, but, I, I so much remember the uh, Junior Petunia, I really do, and uh, I can remember uh, your keen involvement in it and fascination with all of those schools taking part. Um, it was truly memorable, wasn't it? Well, it was great. You know, when you get seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds coming in with their plants. It was a pity that somebody had to win. Uh, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there were some really wonderful occasions. They came in stretched limousines. I think on one occasion they came with a horse and cart or something. I mean, all kinds of crazy <laughs> things were done. Uh, but but, but uh, you're continuing, aren't you? Now, what are you doing with wheelbarrows and schools? Well, last year we launched um, a little competition for Birmingham schools to grow a meal in a barrow, which was in fact to grow herbs and vegetables or fruit in a wheelbarrow. And then we encouraged those schools to bring the wheelbarrows to the show. Um, that started off uh, last year with 36 entries. Uh, this year we have 50 schools participating and I hope we go on from strength to strength because seeing the faces of some of the children involved and talking to the kids who were convinced that their wheelbarrow had to be the winner <laughs> last year um, was really amusing. And I think it's the enthusiasm, isn't it? Children get totally immersed in the occasion and about every aspect of what they've done. They can remember planting the seeds. They can remember making the props that go in the barrow. And we chose wheelbarrows because, uh, first of all, they're easily transportable, easy to get to the show once they've been planted. It's big enough for a whole class to be involved. And then after the show, the school can have the wheelbarrow back. And in fact, they keep the wheelbarrow 
hopefully uh, for the school's use with its gardening. And in fact, last year, Birmingham City Council even took some of the wheelbarrows and put them on display in the centre of Birmingham. So that was a double whammy for the schools involved. Absolutely brilliant. Now, are you calling it meal barrows is that the right word have i got the we title? are peter <laughs> yes you have i yeah. think i think meal, that, meal barrows i yeah. think that's a brilliant title and, <laughs> and, and even those schools with no soil just a bit of concrete of course the wheelbarrow as long as you put a drainage hole in the bottom is, is the perfect container isn't it it's brilliant we we took the trouble i hasten to add of actually um having a little team together drilling the holes in the barrows before they went off to the schools. And in that way, we knew they were all going to be perfectly okay to grow plants in. And and in fact, through sponsors, um, we kindly arranged for a Birmingham wheelbarrow manufacturer, ball barrow, to supply the barrows. And then we chatted to a compost company, Veolia, uh, to supply compost. So all in all, it was a great effort. And it's great that... Uh, local companies as well have participated in the spirit of the competition. Now, how many prizes are there? I mean, are you just having a sort of first, second and third, or are they in age groups? What what do you do? Well, uh, we have a little panel who chooses a first, second and third, but we also have a public vote during the show, and uh, we encourage... Uh, not only the parents and the grandparents and the relatives of all the children of all the schools uh, to have their vote, but of course all the uh, other ninety-odd uh, thousand visitors as well. Um, and is what we'd like to think is that it's a great interactive display um, by encouraging people to vote. It means that they have an interest and take part in what the school children in Birmingham are doing. And of course, to the kids themselves, they are trying to bribe and convince every visitor <laughs> that yes. the mark should go against or the token should go to their particular wheelbarrow. So there's a lot of fun as well. There is indeed. Now, if you need an extra prize there, Bob, we're, we're quite happy the Seabrook podcast to put up a prize for the best gardener. You know, the the best uh, individual plant in a barrow. You don't have to accept it. I'm bouncing it off you live, which is a terrible thing to do. But there's the offer. Peter, I'm going to accept. Hands <laughs> fully out and welcoming to say we would love that. So thank you very much indeed. That would be brilliant. For the visitor to Gardeners World Live, it's the second week in June, isn't it? Uh, there's quite a programme, isn't there, looking back at the 50 years of the TV programme, Gardeners World. Yes, there is, Peter, because hopefully uh, we have tried to cover so many different aspects of the show and the programme together. We have a nostalgia garden, which is set very much in the late 1960s, designed by Paul Stone, who many of us have seen at Hampton Court and Chelsea, gold medal winning designer he won gold medals with us in sunflower street paul fantastic designer had some great yeah, gardens he which, which he built for squires yeah you know you're quite right what an amazing memory you've got paul's a lovely guy to work with and uh, last year he designed um, a feature garden at the show for us a, a canal garden this year He's building this 1960s garden and we're trying to make so many nods to the beginning and the duration of the program over the 50 years. So 
Paul's garden is going to include uh, um, the scene of the time, what a garden centre used to look like in 1967. Um, They were were a bit rustic, I can tell you. (laughs) That was the day of tin cans still. We were still growing plants in tin cans and and cutting Uh, them open with a redhead shear and leaving really fierce, sharp edges on the cans. The health and safety people would have a fit now. Yeah. I am sure they would, and uh, and Paul has done quite a lot of research to make sure he's got a lot of authenticity built into the display. So uh, I think uh, it's going to be very, very memorable. And elsewhere in the show, we've got Professor David Stevens designing and building a timeline garden. Now, David, of course, uh, has written books. He's one of our only garden design professors in the UK, but he has been so closely involved with Gardener's World and Gardener's World Live since the beginning that it's lovely to have him back. And he's doing five vignette gardens, all showing a decade of the 50 years. Um, so uh, he's been having a whale of a time putting that together. A very, very important aspect of uh, Paul Stone's garden, of course, is his nod to all of the presenters, past and present, who will be on his garden, including you, Peter. Um, uh, no, 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 that, be... can't, that can't be right. I've not agreed that. <laughs> Pardon? Albeit in plant form. Oh, so, I see. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have plants named after Jeff Hamilton, Jeffrey Smith, yourself, Rachel Detain, Carol Klein, Alan Titchmart, they're all going to be on Paul's garden. So, Is Alan going as his lupin? <laughs> I mean, per- I Percy had a very good sweet pea. I'm growing it still. Uh, Percy are you sweet really? pea, yes. Well, and I'm wearing Verbena Seabrook's lavender today. I mean, it's, are in, you really? oh, that's it's good, overwintered but... and flowered quite happily for me, yeah. I think there was a Percy thrower rose too, yeah. There is a Percy thrower rose, and Paul has actually found it after searching all over Europe. He's managed to find it in a nursery in Belgium, so we're going to be very pleased to have that back with us as well. Um, and, and, of course, we've also got um, colleges involved in building what we call borders, which are small gardens, and we've got a college from Pershaw, who, uh, of course, a very, very well-known college for horticulture, uh, who is producing a border, which um, is actually a take back to Percy Thrower and his uh, house. And that also includes many of the plants, including your own again, you'll be pleased to hear, which will be on the border. Bob, I'm really excited. Look forward to seeing you uh, at Gardener's World Live in the... Birmingham, the NEC, if not before, and wish you every success. Thank you very much for joining us today. So much good news. Great pleasure. Just a reminder, the show takes place from the 15th to the 18th of June at the NEC, and of course, tickets uh, can be bought on the BBC Gardener's World Live website. And if you buy early, you get them cheaper, don't you? You can uh, get all sorts of deals, yes, and uh, (laughs) all sorts of inclusions, so it's well worth doing that. Yes, Bob, we like deals. Last weekend, uh, quite separately, I was giving a hand to someone in Reading 
who's got a very, or had, a very broad drive from the front gate right the way down beside the semi-detached house to the garage that is at the far end corner of the garden. And unlike so many people who are increasing the hard landscaping, uh, this couple have torn up the drive, parked the car just at the front, and boy, that was some work, getting out all of the tarmac and the base and bringing in fresh soil. Now we need to uh, renovate the lawn that's left and that's a matter of digging some really tough soil with stones and tree roots. I'll tell you, by the end of the day, last Saturday, I had uh, muscles that I didn't realise were there anymore. But boy, it makes you sleep. So I hope you're enjoying your gardening. Spring's early. Countryside looks so green and beautiful. Keep growing, and we'll be with you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.